Conversation right now about the recent news about Bronny James, son of NBA star LeBron James, suffering cardiac arrest at 18. Um, I think that story makes this a most propitious time for a conversation about heart health and chronic disease, which we'll conduct right about now. Suzette Chamet is board president of Healthy Black Families, and I'm pleased to have her on this program. Suzette, how are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing well and uh, <laughs> delighted to, to be in dialogue with you. I, I, I think the general consensus is it ain't like um, I can speak for all black folk and like they meet at my house on Sundays to give me the agenda for the week. But I think the general consensus is not just not just in black America, but but I think beyond that if that if a guy who's 18 who is this healthy uh, uh, playing for USC, son of a legend, LeBron James, if a guy like that can suffer a cardiac arrest and we all in trouble uh, and i say that not knowing all the details um of this case we don't know what brought this on we may find out something in the coming days that shocks all of us who knows uh, but at the moment all we know is that an 18 year old otherwise apparently healthy young black man suffered cardiac arrest on a basketball court again my my view is people i've talked to is that people just seem to be a little concerned if it can happen to him then that we ain't got a shot the rest of us who are not as healthy as 18 year olds are what say you well first thank you so much for having me on the show today it's really an honor to be here and and i will say that I don't think that we don't have a shot. I think that there are th some things that we can do mm -hmm. in order to reduce our risk for chronic disease. So, um, you know, I am a public health leader trained at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine, and I've had the privilege of working with some incredible people and organizations in my 25 career. Um, and as you stated, I am the board president of Healthy Black Families located in Berkeley, and the founder of Food Indie, which is all about food independence and people getting closer to their food. And a big part of what I have recognized in my career is that these chronic diseases are often tied to our food and our food sources. Mm. Um, and I want to impress upon people that it isn't just about preventive screenings that we have once a year or even twice a year or every other year, but that we manage our food on a daily basis and we know where it comes from. Um, so your listeners can find out more about what I do at BeFoodIndy.com. That's B-E-F-O-O-D-I-N-D-Y.com, um, where I talk about people getting much closer to their food. Now, I want to offer my prayers to Bronny James and his family, who I'm sure are shocked by him having heart issues at such a young age, just like we all are. Mm -hmm. um, nobody's prepared for something like that, especially when screenings for heart disease generally come so much later in our lives. And I hope that Bronny has access to unbiased health care and a team of people who genuinely care about his healing and long-term well-being, not just getting him well enough to play basketball because as an 18-year-old young man, he'll have life after he retires from his basketball career, and he'll, he'll need a healthy heart. And so I certainly hope that his medical team's goal is to think about his life long-term and what he'll need to get his heart mm -hmm. back to health. One thing is certain. Um, I don't know if they're unbiased, but they are the best. Uh, when your daddy's LeBron James, you can you can you can you can rest assured you're gonna get the best health care that money can buy. We'll come back to that point in a moment. Uh, you see where I'm going with that. But let me 
go to the point that you started. Let me, let me see. Let me go to the point though that you started with uh, the, the point about food and food sources. I always love when when experts come on the program, and I'm, I'm not saying this to demean you in any way or to diminish you. Uh, that's not my style, obviously. Uh, but I, I always love when people tell me and tell us that our health goes back to our food and our food sources. I get that. I'm not naive or stupid mm-hmm. about that. And yet, you know as well as I do. That in the society that we live today, unless you're growing your stuff, and I'll, I'll let you respond to it, unless you're growing stuff in your backyard, and a lot of times folks in inner city don't even have the spaces to do that. We complain all the time about a lack of green spaces. Unless you're growing your mm-hmm. own stuff, the best stuff costs more. So one, it costs more. Number two, you ain't nowhere near it. But people always come mm-hmm. and tell us that our health is connected to our food and our food sources as if that's an easy thing to accomplish for poor people who live in inner cities. So this is exactly to your point, which is that we do have to grow some of our own food and in small spaces. You know, I offer ways that people can do it indoors, Mm -hmm. that they can do it on decks. The kinds of food forests that I'm talking about can be grown in pots in, you know, three or five pots. And you don't have to grow all of your food. Mm -hmm. You just have to grow a little bit. And your neighbor grows a little bit. And somebody down the street grows a little bit. And collectively, we have more healthy foods. Now, I understand, you know, when we talk about local and organic food, that is more expensive, certainly. But once we get our systems together um, at a community level, I do believe that we can improve access to food. And let's, let's talk about what is accessible to us now. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look any further than our convenience stores or your closest grocery store. So I'd like for everybody who's listening today to imagine the closest store to you. Mm-hmm. Grocery stores will have a large fruit and vegetable section, a variety of colors and choices, while convenience stores are packed with uh, foods that are full of sugar, salt, fat, tobacco, alcohol, all things that we know will make us sick if we eat them too much. And the food industry knows this. Food has been used as a weapon Mm -hmm. for generations. And unless we take it seriously, it's going to continue to be a weapon. And that is why we see so much chronic disease in our own communities. And so I'm asking folks to take it a little more seriously and not just look at the financial cost, but... How can we get access to seeds, for example? Mm-hmm. How can we think differently about how we view expense? Because diabetes is expensive, too. Yeah. Obesity is expensive. No question. Bad joints, expensive. And so, you know, if we can create networks within our communities for sharing seeds, for sharing soil, for learning how to compost, for teaching one another, some of our... Uh, Uh, some of the knowledge that we've had for centuries and reach back into our ancestral practices, because that's where we're going to remember what we were brought here for with our skills and our knowledge. And, and, you know, contrary to what the conversation is about, you know, slavery taught people skills. (laughs) uh, It is that we were brought here because of our skills. Yeah. And so I don't want us to miss that um, and, and our connection to food and how it can heal us. Yep. I'm not naive. Beginning in childhood. Yeah, I hear you. I'm not naive in asking this question, obviously, uh, but food um, is neutral. 
Uh, and if food is being used as a weapon, then somebody is weaponizing food against us. Who's doing that? I would say that the federal government certainly is. I mean, mm. when we talk about nutrition programs and the ways in which we are being fed, um, the, the food that is being grown in the United States today on these industrial farms has lower nutritional value than it did 50 years ago. Part of that has to do with our soil being depleted significantly, continuing to put pesticides and fertilizers in our food. So, you know, I tell people all the time, if your fruit is perfect and it looks perfect, it's probably got a lot of pesticides. And there's something that I refer to on my website and my social media that's called the Dirty Dozen. I don't know if you've heard of that, mm -hmm. but these are the 12 fruits and vegetables that have over two hundred pesticides on each of them hold that thought when we come forward we'll let you run the list um so uh if you don't have it memorized which i'm sure you probably do uh, you can go to your website <laughs> and when we come forward uh i know the audience is uh, is curious to know what those 12 are so we'll uh, get uh, suzette chamet uh the board president of healthy black families to unpack what those 12 fruits are for us and, and a great deal more when we come forward on time to smile all right suzette chamet uh board president of healthy black families give me the dirty dozen so I'll give you a partial list, and then I'm going to send you to my Instagram page where you can get the full list and the clean 15. So mm -hmm. strawberries, spinach, pears, peaches, and peppers are five that are on the Dirty Dozen list. And you can find the rest at my Instagram, which is Reduce Reuse Foods. Um, and I'm not sure if you can include that in your show notes, but... Um, but the, there's also the Clean 15, which are 15 fruits and vegetables that do not have all of those pesticides on on them. Um, and, and that's something else that I really want to emphasize with people is that when we eat all of those pesticides, that also contributes to our risk. And, you know, what, generally when people get a fruit or a vegetable, they rinse it underwater. But that's not enough to rinse away all of the pesticides. That is a fact. We do a quick rinse, and then we take a bite, and we're just swallowing those pesticides. And like I said, that's over 200 per piece just, of fruit. Just because I'm curious, just because I'm curious, um, what is it about the fruits that are uh, on your Dirty Dozen list versus the 15 clean ones? Why are those fruits full of pesticides? I'm just curious. They are the ones that, that bugs may like to eat more. They're sweeter, you know, strawberries and mm -hmm. pears and peaches. Um, and and so they have to be sprayed so that they look really good when we go to the grocery store. If you ever notice, strawberries generally they look pretty shiny and they don't have any holes in them. Nothing like that, right, if you go to mm -hmm. a regular grocery store. Um, and because of how many seeds they have, they also hold a lot of the pesticides and other contaminants. And so people don't want to pick up strawberries that don't look good. So, so they, um, they spray them a lot to make them look good. And also the shiny fruit, those are covered in waxes. So you have to know what it is that you're buying so that you, re you can reduce your risk. And I understand that many people will say, we can't afford to grow food. We can't afford to buy local and organic. And I'm saying that we need to reframe how we think about growing food and that maybe not everybody has their hands in the soil. You know, at Food Indy, we do teach people about other ways that they can support being in the garden. I mean, even if it is 
to be outdoors to improve your mental health. Everybody needs to be outdoors a few times a week at least to improve their mental wellness. So um, some people will say they don't want to get dirty. I always say there's gloves, (laughs) you know, put on gloves and boots. But reconnecting with our food is going to be a significant uh, contribution to better health and reducing our risk for chronic disease because increasing fresh foods in your diet helps your circulation. It helps your organs function better. And that's what we're really going for. So I'm going to challenge anybody who says it's expensive to just think about the expenses of not being able to live through to all the important family events that you have in your life, you know? Yep. So speaking of expensive, when we come forward, we'll come right back to that point. Uh, Because as I mentioned a moment ago, um, you can rest assured that Bronnie James uh, is going to, uh, is right now receiving access to the best, best health care that money can buy because his daddy is LeBron James. All the rest of us um, don't have those options. We'll talk about that part, as we say, when we come forward with Suzette Chamet on Tavis. Suzette Chamet, I take your point earlier, as I'm sure the audience does as well, that it is far more expensive uh, to be unhealthy, far more expensive to not be around for those special occasions in our lives uh, than it is mm-hmm. to uh, to take care of ourselves uh, in real time. You either pay on the front side or you pay on the back side. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. much better to pay on the front side. I take your point. And yet when we do have these moments, because we are not human and divine, we're just human. Uh, if we're not Bronnie James uh, with a dad named LeBron James who can afford to get um, access, get access to the best health care in the world, um, that's a real that's a real challenge. So it seems to me if we're talking about mm-hmm. healthy black families, which is what your work is all about, some of that conversation has to be about how black people and I know we have Obamacare. And yet there are still too many black people, too many poor people in this country who still don't have access to mm-hmm. high quality health care. That's right. And and let me say, I don't know if Serena Williams, Beyonce, or LeBron James have the most money. But what I will say is that Serena Williams and Beyonce both had challenging health experiences after they gave birth. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't their money that got them the kind of attention that they needed. As a matter of fact, they were neglected at times that they needed more support. So I don't think that money buys you good health care. I think it buys you insurance. But I do not think that it it compels people necessarily to take better care at the bedside. So, so that being said, we all have to advocate for better care. No matter how much money we have, we need somebody who can be with us in a hospital setting, even if we're going in for a screening. We need to have more partnership within our health visits. So you take somebody with you to the doctor so that they can listen also for you. And we have to begin talking about healthcare much more um, explicitly than hiding what's going on with us, hiding our symptoms, hiding our diagnoses. Because what happens is we end up being alone and, and not always understanding. So a big part of my work has been in health communication. So have you ever been to the doctor and they say to you, okay, take this prescription or go get this x-ray or go to the lab. And you're wondering, well, why? I don't even know why I'm having to do this. But you do it anyway because the doctor knows best. And I say that we have to take back our own care by partnering with people that we trust when we go into the health system so that we can get 
some accountability on their part. So I, I, I agree that LeBron James has more money to pay for health care, but I wouldn't say that that, uh, that alone is going to guarantee that his son gets the best health care. Yeah. No, I take your point, um, and I, I can split hairs with you on what money does give you access to, but the latter part of what you said I do agree with, and I would just add uh, as another exhibit um, uh, why I believe it, uh, the notion that uh, money doesn't necessarily get you great health care, it gives you good insurance. Uh, many are aware of the story right now of Cedars-Sinai. Cedars-Sinai is the number one hospital in California, the number two hospital in the nation, and they are being sued right now. It's ugly. Uh, they've been sued. They've settled. Mm-hmm. They've settled that one case, and now they're being investigated by the government for just disrespecting black women and their maternal health at Cedars-Sinai. So you can't get to Cedars if you ain't got some really good insurance. So you get to Cedars because right. you got great insurance, and if you're a black woman having a baby, you get there and they still maltreat you. So to, to, to your point, uh, having money does not necessarily guarantee that you're going to get great health care, even when you're in the number one hospital here in California, the number two hospital in the nation. I digress. Our guest has been Suzette okay. Chamet. She is the board president of Healthy Black Families. Suzette, good to have you on. All the best to you. Thank you so much. When we come forward, more of Tavis Smiley.